On the fifth game of a six-game road trip, the Heat were in Washington tonight, and through the, the the Wizards kept it close in the second quarter. Miami absolutely crushed them in the third, showing again what this team is capable of when their roster is fully healthy. The pace, the defense, the ridiculous shooting. We'll break it all down for you here on this live edition of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Tuesday live edition of Locked On Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil. With me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. Today's episode is brought to you by Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Wes, this was the total package on display tonight. Everyone with Miami's big three fully healthy and getting key contributions from this incredibly deep roster. Just a 121 100 total beatdown of the Wizards, who are in a very, very bad emotional place right now. That doesn't stop them from talking a lot of stuff, though, especially to referees. A tightly officiated game. It seemed like emotions were getting out of control, particularly at the start of the second half. And yet Miami was still able to keep the composure, kept alive really by some incendiary shooting. 18 of 32 from three-point really range. Nice. That's 56%. Uh, they finished 56% out in total from the field. Uh, they also shot 17 to 21 from the free throw line, 81%. A, again, a 121 to 100 beatdown. Shut the Washington three-point shooting down, held them to just 7 of 31 from behind the arc, 22.6%. This is, it was great. This was just exactly the kind of version of the Heat that so many people had been looking for, had gotten frustrated during those lean times there when maybe a player or two, especially when Jimmy was out or Kyle was out or Bam at a buyout. But let's start off. I think with with Kyle Lowry, because I think that's the big game. Again, just adding his stabilizing presence tonight. Not a great offensive game, perhaps, but just adding that leadership role that he has so effectively that we've been missing for so long because now he's back in the lineup and he's really contributing uh, to this team in, in an incredible way here. You can just tell the difference that Kyle Lowry makes. Everything just falls into place. And you're right. Like The box score doesn't really leap out with Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. It never does. Doesn't tell the story. This season. Yeah. Well, Eric Spolster said the other game the other night, I think it was after the Charlotte game, he doesn't even look at Kyle Lowry's box score because he has so much control of the game. And I think that's a, that's important. Look, there are going to be nights where Kyle Lowry does need to step up and score 20, but not now. Maybe in the playoffs. I don't know. But that's not what we're talking about here. What I think is so evident with Kyle Lowry and what he brings to the table is really how he gets Bam out of bio going. It, oh it frees up Bam to just be aggressive. And look... I think the Heat coaches said something to Bam, or maybe it was Lowry or something. But the the way that Bam Adebayo is attacking the basket, and I really want to highlight that word, oh. attacking. Yeah. He is getting there. He's got his eyes on the rim, and he's going for it. And that hel- it's helpful when Kyle Lowry is the guy running the offense. Now Bam doesn't have to be the hub in the low post or on the elbow or above the three-point line with the dribble handoffs or anything like that. Kyle Lowry, he knows, is going to be in charge of that. And so all he has to do is get to the rim. Most of the time, it's in pick and rolls. And his frequency rolling off of those screens has increased. I don't, I haven't looked it up, but just eye test, it's definitely gone up. But then even like the, the normal stuff, like the, the little dribble handoff kind of situations yeah. that he gets in, like the, the reads are coming quicker, right? Like he's going through that first read 
lightning fast. If it's not there, he's like, all right, I'm bigger, faster, stronger than almost anybody else on the court right now. I'm just going to go to the basket. And if I don't get to the basket, the only reason I'm not going to get there is because they're fouling me. And you look at his line tonight. uh, He he went to the line eight times, seven of eight from the free throw line, finished with 21 points on seven for 11 shooting. He's incredibly efficient. He's not settling for those mid-range little push floater things anymore or not nearly as much. Um, And I just think that of all the guys on the Heat, specifically the Stars, Bam is benefiting from Kyle Lowry's presence more than any of them. And I don't know that anybody anticipated that going into the season, but it's pretty clear that that's the case. I'm not, I'm kind of hesitant. Like I I understand that Lowry is absolutely making a a contribution in that sense. And maybe it is all all about the role, right? With Lowry there as the main distributor, the guy controlling the pace, the tempo, overseeing the floor and where everybody's doing, it allows Bam to do things much more freely, right? Without having to think it through is you could just read and react. But there was this one play there, I think it was in the third quarter, where he recognized he was out on the elbow, recognized that he had Rui Hachimura on him, of course, a, a potential trade target, according to some reports. And, and you're looking, and, and Bam just whips the ball around, I, I think, more quickly than I've ever seen it. And he puts the ball down lightning fast, uses every yes. ounce of his strength and speed and athleticism, and just bullies his way past Hachimura. And I think he wound up getting the foul and getting to the line. By the way, that's the one that came shooting, to mind. I was just thinking about that one when I was just yeah, going through. Out shooting Jimmy Butler uh, from the free throw line too. Eight free throw attempts for Bam, just six free throw attempts from Jimmy. I don't think that's ever happened, at least not in the last three years that Jimmy has been in this roster. But you, again, that play, you know, not it had nothing to do with Kyle, had nothing to do with anybody else, but just Bam just saying, you know what, I've got this, I can do it. And the, the aggression in 24 minutes, he only played 24 minutes as a starter. Uh, just one more minute than P.J. Tucker, 7 of 11 from the field, too, for 21 points. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Well, you're right. Uh, you don't want to give all the credit to Kyle Lowry, but I think you go back. It was, a few, it was a few games ago where Bam said, you know, just having Kyle on the floor makes all the difference in the world. I also That's think true. somebody said something to him because, yeah. you know, kind of tepid nights against Toronto and Boston. Everybody's yeah. like, where's aggressive Bam Adebayo? We are wondering if his conditioning was in place where it needed to right. be. Was that hand bothering? Was the shoulder starting to become an issue again? Like right. people were having questions, and I don't know whatever questions there were. Bam was like, "The hell with your questions." And he <laughs> something switched. I don't know. He is. It's purposeful, David. It's very purpose. You could tell he's saying. Yeah. In you could hear, you could see the grind. The, the gears grinding. He's like, "No, I need to be more aggressive now." And then he is, yeah. and then yeah. it works. And it's yeah. pretty remarkable what's happened there. I also, made that point. Before, go ahead. Yeah, no, I made that point comparing him to Pascal Siakam in that first triple open time game. Something about yeah. Siakam, seeing that level of aggression, just, again, reading, reacting, moving quickly with intent, something that Bam was missing. And, and I think we've seen it over the last few games. Go ahead. Bring up your point again. Well, no, I just want to say one thing about the Wizards, man. Like, look, Ooh. Charlotte was really bad in that in that game that uh, Saturday night, the wizards were worse and Charlotte has happy, good feelings this season sands that night, man, the wizards are sad. Like that was my other takeaway. Like my two big takeaways from this game were, wow, bam is really flipped something here. And Oh boy, it must suck to be a wizards fan right now because I don't know how you can watch that game, that team night in and night out. I know Bradley Beal wasn't playing for them, but it's not like he was making all that much of a difference in the first place. His defense when he was playing just, you know, went, it was gone. He was not playing any defense. He's not motivated. The rest of that team isn't motivated. Montrez Harrell is out here saying that the vibes are terrible. And you could just tell, like, you didn't need reports. You didn't need a quote from Montrez Harrell. You could just watch that game and be like, oh, they don't like yeah. doing this right now. This is not a no. fun time for the Wizards right now. 
No, and, and you've got reports that Spencer Dinwiddie is not the player they wanted him to be in free agency, that nobody no. likes him on this team. I mean, that's just yeah. – this is the exact opposite of where Miami is. And to think that not so long ago the Wizards were atop the Eastern Conference playing great defense, holding the the, the league, I think, had the best mark in the league in terms of three-point three defense. Clearly not the case when they're giving up almost 60% shooting from Miami. Uh, speaking of three-point shooting, we should mention Duncan Robinson. Like early in the game – I, there were a couple plays there. One, I think the one might want to say the third possession there. Bam had the ball again at the elbow, and this time he sets a screen for Duncan. KCP continues Caldwell Pope does a pretty good job defending him, but Duncan minds, minds, manages to clear a little space. Duncan, I'm sorry, Bam sets the re-screen again. Duncan gets open, and and like saying to myself, man, they're they're kind of focusing this offense a little bit too heavily on trying to get Duncan open. He better capitalize on this. And as soon as I say that to myself, he knocks down that shot and you can just kind of see him get more into the rhythm. It kind of just set the tone early on for Miami's offense, kept the defense at bay. He only went four of 10, four of nine from three point range, but those are the kind of performances you can do. We'll talk a little bit more about Duncan in the last segment, because of course his name has been linked to some trade rumors. And I think we can safely debunk that following tonight's performance. Uh, You know, not, not much of a tease, are there but you know what uh before we do that we'll move on into our second segment and we'll give credit where credit is due but just wanted to remind all of you about one of our sponsors for today's show TurboTax. we all have unique lives whether you have invested in crypto for the first time this year own an up-and-coming small business or are raising rambunctious twins i don't know if any of our listeners or viewers are raising rambunctious twins but i can imagine i've got a three-year-old it's very difficult luckily TurboTax live has experts who can answer your tax questions walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish, no matter your unique situation, to TurboTax Live Experts. An interesting life means an even greater refund. So visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Intuit TurboTax Live. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. Eastern, and the Locked On NBA podcast We'll be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so they know, so you know when they go live. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Heat YouTube channel if you you probably are if you're watching this live already, uh, and tune into our show right after the NBA show. So we're gonna go live 4 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, right after the NBA show. We're going to have live reaction to the trade deadline, specific how it relates to the Miami Heat. But let's whip up some credit cookies, David. So this is a new segment that we debuted recently, and the idea is simple. We have 10 cookies, credit cookies, and we get to divvy up those cookies however we see fit based on who deserves the most credit for this particular Heat win. But the first question is, what kind of cookies should they be, David? Oh, I, that, you're putting me right in the spot here. I didn't know this was a thing that we had to pick the type of cookies. I'm plain, man. I'm bo- I'm kind of boring in that regard. Give me some chocolate chip cookie cookies. Nothing, that's, uh, nothing boring about that. Chocolate chip is the undefeated cookie. A good chocolate chip cookie. There's nothing better than that. I love a good okay. chocolate chip cookie. All right, awesome. so we got ten chocolate chip cookies. I, I've got to ask a quick question here because I'm seeing in sure. our comments something about a hot sauce kid during the halftime show. I did not, uh, in all fairness, watch the halftime show. Do you know anything about this hot sauce kit? Please inform me. Keep me nope. in the loop here. No, no, you don't I was know. cleaning up. I was cleaning up the kitchen like an adult during halftime. So, wow, that's uh, that's new. Wasn't watching. That, that, you're right. That is new. That's yeah. That's what my fiance told me. <laughs> I told um, you. Right. <laughs> uh, first credit cookie. I'm going to give it to Bam Adebayo. We spent much of the 
show so far talking about him. But uh, the reason why he gets, I'm going to give him five of our 10 credit cookies. All right. Mm. So I'm giving him 50% of our credit cookies here. Uh, he was the reason why the Heat broke that game open in the second half. So the Wizards go on a 14 to four run to cut a what was a double digit lead for most of that game, a 20 point lead in that third quarter. Cut that to seven with four minutes left in the third. And then Bam basically just goes on his own personal 8-0 run. Uh, extends the lead back 83-69, so back up to 14. Uh, Bam in the third quarter had 12 points, and the Heat did not look back after that. They go on a 21-1 to run between the third and the fourth quarter. They're up 97-70 to by 27 points within the first minute of the fourth quarter. The Wizards took a timeout within like 42 seconds of the fourth quarter. And at that yeah. point, it was just over, right? None of the starters came back in. Uh, everybody got to rest. Jimmy Butler didn't play in the fourth quarter for the third straight game. Uh, everybody was able to rest, including Bam. But uh, I want to give like 50% of the credit to this game for this win to Bam. And I think that's fair. That I, I can't take away from that. I, I think that's that seems maybe a, a little high because you know we were just talking about the balance between Bam being aggressive and, and whether or not Kyle Lowry gets some of the credit for that. But he, he did have the most impactful game in terms of his encore production, 21 points for him. But uh, five sounds about right. Doesn't leave much for the rest of the Heat roster, but I want to give at least yeah. a chocolate chip cookie of credit to Mr. Gabe Vincent in his 28 minutes of play. Six of nine from the floor, four of six from three-point range, finished with 16 points and a plus 14 in his minutes out there. Just a great performance from him. You had a, a good tweet about uh, the fact that you know, he was brought onto the team as a scorer. That was a talk. Everybody heard about him. Three-point shooter. He's going to be this guy. He's going to do the guy, be the guy who can stretch the floor. And for most of that season, remember, he was picked up right before the season went down the chute back in March of 2020, right before the, the uh, pandemic first hit. And, you know, he was part of that team. Nobody knew what to expect from him. Then, of course, he emerges back in the bubble. He doesn't have much of an impact there. Last year, we weren't quite sure what to expect out of him. This season, he starts off shaky. Not so long ago. People wanted to cut Gabe Vincent. Gabe Vincent's not an NBA player, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like I was one of the lone holdouts saying, you know what? I believe in him. His great effort. The shooting will come around. We kept hearing it. We kept saying, you know what? He was promised as a shooter, but he's doing everything else, even if that shooting hasn't come around yet. Me and Eric Reed, I think, were, were very supportive of uh, Honest Gabe. I'm not sure how much I like that uh Name there. Not my yeah. favorite. Eric Reed's I, I, not. He look, he's, he's very hit or miss with the nicknames, but so am I. I'm. I takes one to no one. Uh, you know, I, either, aside from all that, though, like his performance has just been so good yeah. for the last half of the season. Like everything well, that he's done offensively and combining that incredible defense, that great effort, etc. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you can't take him out of the rotation now. Even when Tyler Hero comes nope. back, I, maybe we'll talk about that later. But he's just been awesome for them. And, and like I said, like I tweeted the one that you mentioned. You know it is a credit to Miami's developmental system, right? Where they noticed that this guy could be a defensive pest. They made him into one. Right. They noticed that he could be a facilitator because he's got that basketball IQ. They yes. helped him turn him into one. And he became that. And then once he got that stuff established, which is what helped him get onto the court for the Heat, right. he was able with extended minutes now, right? Because instead of playing four, five, six minutes here or there, he's playing 20 plus minutes a night. And now he's got time to go back into those scoring instincts that he has because that's what he was in college. That's how he got to the NBA in the first place. And now he's a well-rounded player. Instead of just being a score-first, smallish two-guard, he's a yeah. well-rounded point guard. 
who's a real difference maker for this team off the bench and, and has deserved, earned the like a bona fide backup point guard role behind Kyle Lowry and might be starting for this team if not for the fact that they have Kyle Lowry, who's still an all-pro point guard. So, um, yeah, he's been awesome. How many cookies did you give him? I wasn't paying attention to that. Just one, maybe one and a half. I don't know if that's fair. I, I think let's uh, not start doing half cookies. That's crazy. All right, so we got six cookies. Can I give? Can I give? Can we? Can I give one cookie to the crowd? No, to like the Heat fans who showed up to that game. Those weren't Heat fans. Those were those were really upset Wizards fans. Like I know that there's Eric Reed to his credit again saying, "Oh, this Heat team could be in college football because they travel so well, etc." That's look. I've been in Orlando games. Those aren't Heat fans. Those are people that just hate the the effing Magic because the Magic effing sucks. We'll That's them. what that is. We'll yeah, take them. They sure. can come along. Sure. When they're shouting, when they're shouting, "Let's go Heat!" I totally yeah. get it. Those Wizards they're wearing fans heat are like jerseys. They didn't just buy the Heat jersey because their Wizards team sucks. At the, at, they bought at them at halftime. Time. They bought them at halftime. They're like, "Oh, you know, this team's on seven. I'm giving them a cookie. Done. I'm giving them. I disagree <laughs> with you. Uh, I'm giving them a cookie. Does Eric Spolstra get cookies? For this yeah, game, I, uh, I loved I loved him angrily <laughs> calling timeouts, stomping onto the court. And look, it was funny, right? It was hilarious. I, Eric Spolstra is the absolute king in get, going onto the court to call his timeout, which, by the way, is illegal, and they never call it for him. They never call it against him. Uh, and, and because they don't, he continues to do it, and I'm not complaining. It's hilarious. It gives us great comedy. But... I thought the timing of those timeouts were really important. Like any time that he kind of took their foot off the gas, he would get pissed off and call a timeout and yell at him. And I thought, hey, for a team that had been winning, who led wire to wire in this game, the fact that their coach wouldn't let them kind of do that, uh, I thought was really important and speaks to what gets this team going and why they have been so good and what, like the reason why they haven't had some of these disappointing losses that kind of plagued them at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So we've got three cookies left to give out after that. Uh, no, I'm giving uh, Spo two cookies for that. So then we get, we have one cookie left. Give it to Jimmy. I mean, come on, 19 points, seven or 13 from the floor, plus 21 from the field. Uh, I, I mean, the game, uh, 30 minutes from him, a uh, surprising 30 minutes. I know he had to play a little bit more than he probably would have liked to in the third quarter, but either uh, other than that, uh, just a phenomenal game from him does so much so well continues to prove that he is the all-star. And today we should make note that yes. Jason Tatum is starting in place of Kevin Durant, who is injured and will miss the all-star game, of course. So Jason Tatum getting the nod over Jimmy Butler. Uh, I, 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 you know, I, I get it. Like, he got more fan votes, so you just sort of give it to him. But that's crap. Like, the fact that the Heat don't have a starter and they're number one in the East and the Warriors are number two in the West and they have two starters on the Western Conference all-star. Like, they should have a starter. That's... They should. It's not a formal rule. Like they don't have to give it to Tatum. If it was a formal rule, they wouldn't make an announcement about it. That's just usually. That's just sort of what they do. Is they give it to the player with the more fan votes. But that's to me ridiculous. Um, two more notes before we move on. Um, uh, I thought that this team just played with a. Even when the Wizards cut the lead to seven, they just played with a. Uh, we know we're gonna win this game, kind of swagger, and. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you watch this team and the way that they carry themselves during that game, and they're hitting a level of confidence now that is worth monitoring. It's a level of confidence that teams who know they're really good have, yep. Yep. and you don't see it very often. You saw it with the Milwaukee Bucks at the, like the last couple of games of the finals last year. You saw mm -hmm. it with the Miami Heat during the big three, right? You saw it with the Warriors during their dynasty. I'm not comparing this Heat team to those teams. I'm just saying that that swagger is rare. 
and not all teams have it. Brooklyn right now, they don't got it, right? I think the Warriors right now at full health, they have it. Phoenix right now at full health, they have it. Milwaukee still sometimes has it, but not all the time. But when they're fully healthy, they do. Miami right now, they have it. It's worth pointing out. That's all I'm saying. I should also point out, then, you mentioned the Phoenix Suns, who I do agree with you on that note. I think they definitely – they're probably second to Miami, the most swaggy team at this point in the NBA. They just Mm. – their taste of the finals has really lit a fire to them. I was not a believer at the start of the season, but they have disproved me. They've been incredible. They've gone some deep runs. And right now, they're up 20 over the Chicago Bulls, who are looking absolutely – disheveled uh i don't even know that they're missing any of their key players they've got zach, zach levine out there they've got uh damar out there they got vooch and yet still without lonzo and caruso but yeah yeah not not excusing in chicago to be down 20 to this grid for, uh, yeah, phoenix didn't Suns stop team, the heat in december no absolutely not so anyway uh we'll move on we'll talk a little bit more about duncan robinson whether or not he's still a viable trade candidate in our last segment of the show and of course keep those comments coming in here uh, not you, uh, Uncle Joy, or whoever the hell you are. If I'm what is that? A fucking, I don't know. Some fucking dweeb, somebody who's calling me of all people a fucking dweeb and saying that I am a Gators alum, which actually I'm not. Go Canes, bitch. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I will go right now and mention that a sponsor of this show is Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march to the playoffs, right to the big game in a couple weeks, BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college football, uh, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real updates on current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Just a reminder that you can always reach us via email at lockedonheat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskLLHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show. As always, leave a review. Make sure you subscribe to our show. Uh, Again, for our, our updates on the NBA trade deadline on Thursday, so many people... I think prior to this game, thinking that the Heat were probably going to make a minor move of some kind. Uh, yeah, I, I curse a lot. Don't worry about it. I've cursed a lot on this show. Maybe you're a first-time yeah. listener, but uh, either way. Uh, <laughs> as far as the trade deadline is concerned, you yeah. see that start hot, that hot start from Duncan Robinson. You see him kind of keep it going throughout the game. And he seems like the biggest piece that would be likely to be moved by the Miami Heat during the trade deadline. But at this point, watching that game, and so I tweeted something out very early on after he caught fire early. Does it seem like the Heat would trade Duncan Robinson at this point? Because I have to say, I'm leaning more towards him not going anywhere. No, I, look, I've never thought that trading Duncan Robinson made a whole lot of sense for Miami because he could do things like he did in the first quarter tonight, right? Where he's just, he, he, first of all, he started the game really hot from three point range. What was it? Three of his first four, three of his first three, whatever it was from, from beyond the arc. Um, He is able to do that in a way that nobody else on this heat roster can. And that includes Max Struess as good as Max Struess has been. And he was two for five from three point range tonight. And I think he started, started two for two and then missed his last three in garbage time, fourth quarter minutes. So it doesn't really matter, but what like what Duncan Robinson is able to do with that quick release, the fact that he's much taller than Max Struess and can get his shot up over people uh, and functions within the offense, uh, those dribble handoffs with Bam and everything that we always talk about with him. Um, I, I just think that he could still win you a game in the playoffs, the way that he is so ignitable. So few players in the league are that ignitable. And what are you going to trade that for? 
right? I'm not saying Duncan Robinson's the best player on this team. I'm not saying he's the fourth best player. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. With that, with with how with how ignitable again he can get from three point range, that can win you a playoff game. And in a seven game series, that stuff matters. And I don't know. What are you going to trade Duncan Robinson for? Very doubtful you're getting a player who can do that for you that has that kind of game winning potential on the biggest stage. And so because of that. Duncan Robinson is is he without he he's got flaws as a player. He fouls too much. He's not very good defensively. Teams will target him. There's not a whole lot more to his offensive game, although he's gotten better as a passer and a cutter. But you know, what are you trading him for? That's the other question. So right. many fans are just like, just trade him, trade him, trade him. What are you getting for right. him? You're right. probably no. not, you're probably getting a bench player who's not going to be able to swing a game the way that Duncan can potentially. No, no. I mean, it's all a great point. I think we've been pretty consistent about that all season long, is that uh, the value that you're getting for a player uh, that would have to match salaries with a player like Duncan, and he's probably going to provide less of a value. It's the expertise, the threat of what Duncan does. Yes, an imperfect product, as you said, and yet still able to contribute at a high level. And I think the Heat absolutely value that. They get frustrated with him at times. I'm sure they'd want to see him be a little bit more productive, a little bit more consistent defensively, why they want to put him out there, to have him at least be an option in fourth quarter situations. But, you know, when you have a game like tonight, you don't really need him, and maybe all is well in the world. But I just – I don't know that you're getting any player that can contribute one thing as well as Duncan does with right. his shooting. And, and I think you keep this team and its depth intact because uh, right now you've got a backup ball handler in Gabe. You've got wing defenders and and Max Struess and Caleb Martin. To some of this, and, and, you know, Martin certainly, Struess maybe to a lesser degree. But either way, you're you're hopefully getting a big back in Markeith Morris if he winds up returning to the game uh, to the uh, Heat at some point. I just don't know that there's any clear gaps on this roster as far as right. what your you know your talent is level is concerned and how you match up against other teams in the Eastern Conference. So if that's the case. What do you even need to trade for just to move that salary? I don't, I just don't see it. I think it's a trade that they'll certainly explore down the road, just not yeah. this middle of the season. If you if you need to move Duncan Robinson to clear some salary because you've got the Tyler Hero extension coming up over the summer, you can trade Duncan Robinson over the summer if that's something that you really want to do. You don't have to do it right now. Um, <laughs> okay, more Uncle Joey. Can we get to some of the uh, actual questions from the chat? What do you think? Sure. That one right Why here. not? All right. right. This one comes from Isaac. In your opinion, is this the least talked about one seed in the East by the media? In <sighs> That's tough to say. Uh, I'm trying to think about whether what I think the Bucks went through this last year because there was a yeah. lot of the same hangover about, oh, it's just the regular season. Who knows how uh, I'm drawing it by Budenholzer is going to shit the bed yet right. again during the playoffs and all this talk. The one you know, thing that the, the Bucks had was they had the Giannis MVP case toward the That's end of fair. the year. And nobody on this Heat team is going to have that, right? Um, so maybe by the end of the season, people start talking about Miami a little bit more. But I don't, I don't know. But similar, like to to Milwaukee, like Milwaukee doesn't have a, a huge media contingent. They don't really have a national media presence. Like ESPN doesn't have a reporter in Milwaukee. I don't think that the Athletic has a reporter in, in Milwaukee. And so those are sort of your two. They Eric don't have Neem. any. Eric is Neem. he the Athletic? Yeah. Okay. So they have him. Uh, but they don't really have a national presence, you know, and it's similar to Miami. Like you've got the, the Herald, the Sun Sentinel, a couple of local things, you and I, and, and yeah, yeah, but, but they don't, you don't really have somebody from ESPN following the team all the time. And when really, when we're talking about national media, like that's what it is. Like Fox sports doesn't dispatch reporters for, for, for independent teams, but you know, the Brooklyn Nets, the Golden State Warriors, the L, the, the LA teams, um, they're, they're Chicago, uh, even New Orleans, I think they, the, there are media markets in the in the NBA 
who have ESPN assigned reporters. And when you don't have that, just the ESPN factor in and of itself actually makes you a little bit less covered um, than some relative to some of these other teams. So yeah, I, I don't think the Heat are being talked about quite a bit. Right. No, and I'm perfectly fine with that too. Like this is we're talking about you don't fans. Care. No, no, I'm talking about fans though. Like I, I would love more attention to this team because it's more attention for us, which means more oh. clicks, more listens, and all the other stuff. But as far as like the fans are concerned, what they think about, what they know about this game generally by and large is not all that much. So I think it's better for this Heat team to kind of creep up on people the way they did in the Orlando bubble. I think they were really dominant. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody is thinking to themselves, "Oh, this Heat team is pretty good." Think pieces about Eric Spoelstra as the best coach in the NBA, about Jimmy Butler, about Bam Adebayo after that block on Jason Tatum, et cetera, et cetera. Let let them sleep on Miami. Let them sleep on Miami and watch what happens in the playoffs because I think this team is certainly absolutely much more dangerous. Yeah, and it goes back to what I was saying. They have this swagger, this confidence, this, hey, we're going to win no matter what. And I guess it's worth paying attention to because they are starting to play their best basketball. I wouldn't say at the right time, right? Like there's still some kind of going into the all-star break stuff, but you're going to get Oladipo back. We'll see if they get Markeith Morris back or if they can turn that slot on the roster into something else, which is something we're going to talk about later on in the week as we approach the trade deadline. But um, there's... They're, they're starting to hit their stride. They are better. We talked about this, I think, after we, on Monday, how defensively they're playing on a string better than they did pri- before all the injuries and stuff. They're, you're starting to see the time spent you know, materialize on the court into something meaningful. And, and I think this team is only going to get better as long as they stay healthy and they start getting guys like Oladipo and potentially Markeith Morris back. Yeah, there was a question in the chat, too, about how Miami would face against the Nets. Mm. I know you've been a pretty strong, uh, not necessarily a supporter, but you've you know, you've always aligned yourself with the more talented Nets roster. But given concerns about Harden and his tenure with the team, uh, Kyrie and his availability in a playoff series, Kevin Durant and his health, how do you see this version of this Heat team, as good as they played lately, matching up with those Nets? You know, when Kevin Durant comes back, it changes everything. The Nets, we could talk about Kyrie and his vaccination status, James Harden and all this trade scuttle and all that stuff, but really the biggest factor in in the Nets not playing well and them going on, you know, an eight-game losing streak recently and all this was the fact that Kevin Durant got hurt. And when he comes back, the Nets could still beat anybody. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. I actually really like their team more if they swap Harden for Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons will fill a lot of gaps. And if they can get, like, a role player like Danny Green – also, mm-hmm. who can help yeah. fill in that roster. And if they eventually get Joe Harris back, even though there's some questions locally in, in Brooklyn whether or not that'll ever happen this season. But, right. um, look, I can't quit the Nets right now. But like I said, I don't think that there's a huge favorite over the Miami Heat right now, the way that they're playing and what they could do potentially. Like Milwaukee, I still think that right now they should be considered the favorites in the East, given everything that's happened with Brooklyn. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just said that nobody's better than them. I just think like Milwaukee and Brooklyn are also good, talented teams. That's all I'm saying, Loveless McLovin. I, um, look, I, in all fairness, I think, you know, everybody comes to us for some analysis of this team. Uh, we cannot be fans. That's up to you guys. That's what you, makes you guys so special and so wonderful is that you have right. that incredible passion for the team. We have to be able to step outside that box just occasionally and be able to give you a larger uh, outside perspective. That's I'll say this. Keep- if the playoffs started right now, I would have the heat coming out of the East. I don't know what that's worth, but it's not worth nothing. It no, means something. No. I, I agree. I, I think of the teams at the top of the Eastern Conference, Philadelphia's dangerous. I yes, think Milwaukee's more them. dangerous. 
Uh, I'm not as scared of the Nets, and I, I have said this before on this podcast. I think the the big three of Brooklyn is scary. I don't think the Nets as a whole are scary. And given Miami's depth and everything else, yeah, you're going to get 50 points from Kevin Durant, but that means that you're more likely to shut everybody else down. And I'm having less and less faith in James Harden and his ability to dominate yeah. any one series. So uh, to me, I like Miami's chances. I absolutely think they represent the Eastern Conference this year. And they'll take on the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. It should be a really, that, really fun matchup. That's sort of where I'm leaning right now, as far as my finals pick. I think I think I like the Suns out of the West a lot, actually. What kind of going back to the sort of the media attention? I keep hearing stuff like, "Oh, the East is sort of weak. It's a little shaky right now." Ridiculous. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't get it. Like that's it's disrespectful to first of all the champion Milwaukee Bucks. They're still good, and their net rating with Drew and Middleton and Giannis on the floor is still very good. And once they get healthy, I think they're dangerous. Brooklyn, we'll see what happens, whatever. They're a joke, absolutely, but they're very talented. But it's disrespectful to Miami. It's disrespectful to what Joel Embiid in Philadelphia has done. It's disrespectful to what Chicago has done. I know that they're not as hot as they were, but they've still... This is the, they're the team that the Heat are battling right now at the top of the conference for the number one seed for. It, like These are legitimately good teams. And I kind of look at the West, and I'm like, what do you got? You have the Suns, and you have the Warriors, and that's all I'm scared of from the Western Conference. That's it. Like, I think the East is much deeper, uh, and I think their ceiling is just as high as anybody from the West. They just haven't really put it together on the court right now, but it doesn't really matter once you get to the postseason. What matters in the postseason is how good you are then. And again, I'll say this. Miami's on the right track. They're on the right track. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else to wrap before we wrap up today's episode? No, I think those were all my takeaways from the game. Spam um, Adebayo is really good. I think I'm going to do a write-up on him for my sub stack at some point this week, but i got to talk to some people first. But um, really looking forward to the tread deadline, everything that happens in the, in, the, in the Eastern Conference and in the NBA. Doubtful Miami makes many moves. Uh, we have some ideas. We'll talk about that later in this week, but certainly worth keeping an eye on the deadline if you're a Heat fan because of how it will impact the Heat and all these things that we're talking about, how it impacts the Eastern Conference hierarchy. Uh, yeah. There's going to be movement in the East. We're already seeing it with Cleveland and th- getting yep. Karis LeVert and stuff like that. We'll have yeah. a breakdown on all that stuff as the week goes on. Absolutely. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in for our live show today. Thank you so much for leaving comments and questions. We'll try to answer those in an upcoming mailbag episode, of course. And keep tuning in. Make sure you subscribe here. Subscribe to our podcast. Uh, Make sure you get the show wherever available uh, so you can get the best coverage available. Make sure to also check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks for joining me, Wes. Wrap it up, B. 